He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome in on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, also joining me in the studio today, actually in the control room, is Dylan. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello. And uh, he is uh, filling in for my regular guy, you know, uh, who is on vacation. We know we're... I actually have no idea. Earl. No, he didn't say. He's, he's just gone. Just disappeared. <laughs> Well, that's like what we you all do. Sit on vacation. That's what you do when you're young. I mean, the last one he went on, he was going, first he was headed to uh, Colorado, and then he ended up going to the beach and ski and, and surfing. So, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think he's he's very much uh, he's like a easygoing, like I'll go wherever and I'll sleep in my car kind of guy for a nice view. But but that's what you do when you're young. Because yeah. I promise you, once you have a girlfriend as you do or a wife as I do. Those days of sleeping in the car and uh, just decided to do something on a whim are gone. Yeah. Probably. They're gone forever. Everything has to be planned out well in advance and no surprises. That's the way that works. Uh, but um, so good for him. He's taking some time off. And then uh, uh, top stories going on right now, of course, this 21-year-old um, Army specialist, uh, intelligence specialist, uh, I think he was at Fort Bragg. He's originally from Massachusetts. Uh, it turns out he's the guy that uh, is doing all the leaking of the Pentagon, all these top secrets and troop movements and all kinds of stuff. It's some kind of a game chat room. That's how it all started off, just trying to impress these other guys about the information he could get his hands on. And and I submit that I think uh, a lot of these shootings and this instance of uh, the secret documents, I think there's so many kids that get into these gaming and play video games that are so realistic. Uh, and I think they go into another dimension and they really have a hard time separating uh, fact from fiction. Uh, that, you know, getting secrets and sharing it with some other pals. I mean, apparently they would watch movies together. They would you know, just talk about the subject of the day, kind of a closed circuit, uh, chat room. And I think that, uh, that he, he was a little older than most of the rest of them. So I think he wanted to kind of show them that, you know, he, he could find out stuff they couldn't find out and how could they do it? I think never dreaming it would ever get out. Uh, but, uh, and then with these games, I saw one the other day, it was, it popped up on my Facebook because, uh, I hunt and I look at uh, all kinds of hunting videos. Uh, this is a game where you out there, but it's a sniper game from World War II where you're shooting Germans with a rifle, with a, like a sniper rifle. With, and it has all the sound effects of the bolt opening, closing, the round going in, the, the shot. Um, and so I, I think that they just get, if you do that so much after a while, the, the lines between reality and fantasy blur. And they think when they go out and actually shoot people that it's part of the game in their mind. I don't know, but it can't be good. You can't be exposed to all that stuff all the time and just uh, not have it have some kind of a psychological effect. I know that when I was growing up, the first thing my dad did was when he taught us to shoot, 
and I think we're the first things ever killed. We had just a huge population explosion of jackrabbits out in West Texas. So everybody was shooting because they were eating everything alive. They were like a horde of grasshoppers. And so the first one I shot, Dad said, okay, let's go look at it because you need to see what bullets do. And he took me over there, and I went, wow. He said, yeah, they don't just make a little hole. And he said, and that happens to people, animals, whatever you shoot. And I think that's what most of these young kids, they, they have no idea what the real reality is. And by the time they do, it's over, and so is their life and other people's as well. Uh, but we'll find out more about him as time goes on. And then it's also they made an arrest in the Bob Lee, who was that, uh, that money app uh, executive uh, that was uh, stabbed to death in San Francisco. Evidently, he was out there for some kind of a party. That's where he had lived there. And this guy worked for the same company he worked for, although they said they knew each other but don't know how well. And they left some party about 2.30 in the morning, and at some point, as him returning him to the guy that ended up getting killed to his hotel room, some kind of a dispute breaks out between the two, and he gets stabbed, and they found a kitchen steak knife uh, in a parking lot not far from where the stabbing took place. But but who carries around a, a, a steak knife from the kitchen uh, when they're going to a party? You know, and just uh, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then Fort Lauderdale, and then they said that Fort Lauderdale got twenty four point nine inches of rain in twenty four hours. That's unbelievable. I mean, in fact, it is the highest it's ever been recorded in history. I think one time in Miami 100 years ago, they had more rain than that, but not much more. Uh, But certainly nothing like this in Fort Lauderdale. The airport was still covered with water today. It was closed again today. And uh, But that's what you call a microburst, 24.9 inches. and That's an inch an hour, and it just didn't stop. Um, And so... Uh, there'll be, uh, there are a lot of people just got trapped in their cars and it literally, I mean, there were 25 inches of water. <laughs> Think about that. Even Memphis ain't got the runoff that could handle that. Uh, on the show today, we've got, uh, Terry Rowland, former County commissioner is going to check in with us at three thirty. He's going to react uh, to this Justin Pearson, um, and his other cohort that were reinstated to the state legislature after it, they were both voted on by their county commissions uh, here in Memphis, uh, it was seven to zero because the Republicans were told uh, that they would be much healthier if they did not attend the meeting, uh, which is a, a threat. And uh, I mean, it's just, if that's not being investigated, it certainly should be. And uh, we broke that yesterday. Todd Starnes did. And we'll be talking about that and get react from Terry. And also take a look at, at this uh, Justin Pearson, who apparently has two personalities. One he had when he was in college where he was going, I certainly hope everybody votes for me for president of the class. And then his new personality, which sounds a lot more like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We're going we're gonna to make it happen. We're going to the state legislature. We're going to get it back. Democracy will rule. So, you know, how, how real is this guy? And then his buddy, the other guy that got kicked out, uh, turned out back during the summer riots, he was jumping up down on a Metro police car, uh, got arrested, and was uh, had a warrant out for him. And then the warrant was mysteriously, uh, uh, they said it was uh, retrieved or canceled temporarily, but he never was arrested or charged. 
And if he had been and convicted of a felony, I don't think he could have run for the state legislature. So we'll continue to follow that. Also in today, uh, it will be uh, Randy Wright with the dive shop talking about some great places to go underwater. We don't have to put up with any of this stuff. No car thefts, no break-ins, <laughs> no riots. The fish are your friend. And we'll be, they got some guys in town from his company. Uh, and... Uh, they have all kinds of trips planned for all over the world, so we'll be talking about that. And we'll also check in with my good friend Jim Elliott, who uh, was my photographer for many years uh, covering news. Now, he lives in Connecticut, uh, and uh, we're going to get react from him today on the Tennessee Three, uh, what they're talking about up there, what, the, what their viewpoint is in Connecticut. Also, uh, that the Bud, uh, the Bud Light boycott apparently is nationwide, <laughs> he said. He talked to this guy that, uh, that runs a bar where he goes and frequents, and he said, man, they said, uh, people aren't coming in saying I'm not going to buy it. They just don't buy it. And I think that's indicative of what's going on here. It's a way of protesting without going out and standing in front of a building or burning a building or blocking a road. It's you saying, you know what? You start trying to shove stuff down our throats, and we go, you know, this is my beer. And now you're saying that we got to go along with whatever you go along with. Uh, and this marketing manager for Bud Light, who's a Harvard graduate, uh, Wharton School of Business, and, and she may have a great education, but that doesn't mean she knows people uh, and how people react to things. So they, she was wanting to expand the Bud Light brand into these other areas. And what she did is she sacrificed the entire base that they have now for the possibility that these other folks might come on board. Anyway, I, I said, I bet she never had a Bud Light in her life. She was it's a glass of Chardonnay or uh, something else rather light. Beer's too filling. Anyway, so we'll be talking about all of that and more. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. And welcome back on this Thursday afternoon. Right now, there's a live news conference going on in Ocala, Florida, which is uh, Marion County, Florida. Sheriff Billy Woods, uh, if you saw him last week, he's the sheriff of the county where the three young teenagers were found murdered uh, back on March 30th. Uh, they've arrested two juveniles in connection with the triple homicide. They say this is what this happened was uh, all three of the, the young people died of gunshot wounds. Uh, they were all together of their own free will. Um, and then these two young ladies, and I think it's a young man, they just got a silhouette of his picture, uh, hooked up with these other three individuals. They're all inside this one young lady's car, and uh, uh, whatever they were up to, and they, they, the sheriff is calling it a wannabe gang member uh, situation, and whether the, the people that did the shooting were wanting to be gang members, and to do it they had to kill three uh, white people, I don't know. Just they said they were want to be gang members, and the motive was robbery, and they killed all three of these people. And, and the sheriff had said at the time they were pretty sure what had happened was these three young kids, were whatever it was they were up to, whether they were saying going for drugs or um, you know uh, stealing property, breaking in cars, whatever it was. That uh, and for a lot of young people, it's excitement. You know, and we're going to go out and do something tonight, uh, kind of the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. And uh, but when you hang around with people doing bad things, bad things happen. 
And, and I think that's what they're getting at is that, you know, you, you uh, hanging out with the people that are breaking the law, as my father pointed out to me early in my youth, is that you will become known by the people you hang out with. And it, it's, it was true then, it is true now. And if they're doing bad things, sooner or later, you, you, you will get caught up into it. And uh, you just, uh, the way to avoid all that is to avoid, uh, avoid those people and uh, just don't hang around them. You talk to anybody that came out of a ghetto and uh, went on and was successful, they said that's what you have to do is just get away from all the people you knew when you were growing up because so many of them didn't go on to school, didn't go on to be successful. And so what they do is anybody they knew that has become successful, they latch on to and say, hey, you know, uh, you got lucky. How about taking care of me and helping me out? And it's kind of a guilt trip then. Uh, but people like Penny Hardaway, when he went away to college and then here in Memphis, but he uh, went away to play in the NBA, and he just didn't have anything, didn't get caught up into the hangers-on. He, uh, you know, worked hard, um, played hard at, at basketball, uh, developed friendships outside of the, the neighborhood he grew up in, and has ended up helping a lot of young people over the years because of that. So it's... Uh, it's a responsibility that you have when you do have success that you use it in the right way. And then you, know, you look at Lorenzen Wright, who got mixed up with the wrong crowd and couldn't shake that and ended up costing him his life and, and a bunch of other people going to prison for the rest of their lives. So uh, your, your decisions do have consequences, and uh, you want to make sure that you're uh, – they got the best chance you could have. I mean, that's that's what we should all do. Say, I'm, I'm going to go with the best percentages I can come up with. I was just looking at a video on Fox of a, a woman that came into a Target store and was uh, caught uh, shoplifting groceries. And so they went back to the office, and she tried to get the manager to let her go uh, as an act of reparation. In other words, because she was black, that she they should give her the groceries. I mean, that's one reason all these stores are closing all over the country is because they're, they're just robbing them blind. And so they go back to the office, and I don't know what happened, but the manager turns around and just decks her. She goes down, and then was, they call police, and she was arrested by police. But most of the stores, they tell their managers, just let them have whatever they want, let them go. Well, now uh, half of the Walmarts in the Chicago, Illinois area have closed, and they may end up closing all of them. And uh, so what's going to happen, all, and which is why Walmart's were there in the first place. They're in neighborhoods where people need the best prices they can get, especially now. And so the thieves are literally uh, killing the golden goose that helped everybody uh, get affordable groceries. And now more than ever, they need them, and they're not going to be there. Uh, the CVS stores out in San Francisco, closing those. San Francisco and the entire California area has uh, lost about a, a million people in the last two years, I think I read yesterday. And uh, they're going to Texas. They're coming to Tennessee. They're coming to Florida. Uh, they're coming to places where they're not taxed to death, where crime is not as high as any place else. It's still too high here. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to get a hold of that. I mean, they're going to have to change something because uh, it's not, it's not going to stop on its own. Uh, there were... Uh, I did hear the other day where there was a guy breaking in cars at, get this, at one of the gun ranges out in uh, Cordova. 
USA gun range, and uh, they had uh, surveillance cameras of this guy getting out and taking his elbow and banging out the the right rear side window of a pickup truck, double cab pickup truck, and then pulling the rest of the window out from the window frame and then crawling into the truck and pulling out a backpack. Then he crawls all the way into the front seat of the truck, got some other items. They ended up catching these guys, and one of the people they broke into and robbed was a Shelby County Sheriff's deputy. He stole his badge. This is the gun range. Now, do you think people at a gun range are armed and that they might be walking out with their weapon at any moment and see a guy hanging halfway out of your truck that they broke it into? I mean, I don't, it just, it makes you say, are these people, do they have any grasp of reality of what they're doing? I mean, that's, that's idiocy. I mean, I know it, it, it and I say these people are idiots, but they, these people really are idiots. I mean, that's, that's like breaking into a, into a gun range and ro- all those people are armed in the gun range. Everybody has a gun. I'm not just some of them. Everybody that works there has a gun. Everybody that goes in there to, to shoot has a gun. And uh, these guys go, hey, here's an idea. We'll rob the gun store. <laughs> okay, well, they're behind bars now, and uh, I'm sure they're uh, reexamining their motivation and their, their direction in life at this very moment and thinking, possibly we took the wrong turn. And, uh, but no more, more of them need to be caught. More of them need to be incarcerated. And until they start uh, putting these people away, uh, instead of releasing them to, I, I, there's a woman I'm talking to, trying to get her on the show, who's working on getting a bill passed. Uh, well, actually, there's already a bill that exists where parents can be fined for the sins of their children. And we'll try to get her on here in the next week or so. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to check in with uh, former city county commissioner uh, Terry Rowland about uh, all that's going on with the county commission and the state legislature. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back. Joining us on the phone is former County Commissioner Terry Rowland, and good afternoon, Terry. Has anybody told y'all they loved y'all today? Now, nah, me and Dylan, both of us, nobody, nothing. Well, I'm telling you, buddy. <laughs> okay. We love you too, Terry. Uh, so you've been following the situation with our County Commission, uh, where you were formerly a member of, and the right. state legislature, and... Uh, the Tennessee three, only all the two were expelled. One was not expelled by a vote, by a single vote here in the county commission in in, uh, in Memphis, and uh, and yet uh, then she came out and said it was all racist driven, and now right. you've got uh, the Justin Pearson who was reinstated today back in I don't think he even missed a vote, uh, and it. Uh, he's been reinstated. The other guy from, I think, Knoxville, he was reinstated a, a day or so ago. And uh, and everybody said, uh, hey, well, you know, we're just, they were just out there peacefully protesting. And at That's the same cool. it, well, I want to get your reaction to that and the fact that we understand that there were all the Republican commissioners were threatened that if they were to attend that meeting and vote that they, it would not be the healthy thing to do. I mean, is that not being investigated? 
Well, it, it is now. Now that I found out about it, I'm glad you sent me that. Uh, I'm checking into it now, and then of course I've talked to uh, the sheriff because uh, he, he they're responsible for safety down there. But uh, let me let me let me start addressing some of this stuff. All right, they really they really think they did something by sending them two idiots back up there. But but let me tell you, they would have been better by setting, sending two potted plants to set in the in the chairs because they will get more out of those potted plants than they will be those two jokers being up there in in the house. But that's that what, makes sense. That, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because people that don't understand how the uh, legislature, the Congress, the Senate, uh, how they all work. It's, it's, it's a very controlled atmosphere. It's not a democracy Absolutely. and everything and it, it's on the it rules. Back. You remember for 152 years, the Democrats controlled the house and the Senate. Yep. Okay. They ran it. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you couldn't, if you're a Republican, you couldn't get a second. Okay, uh, they wouldn't appoint. Jimmy Navy was the absolute worst when it comes <laughs> to sharing power. Yes, you know, was. I will say this about about the Lieutenant Governor Wilder. He gave half the chairmanship in the Senate to the Republicans, but Jimmy Navy in Never. the House did not. Nope. And you talking about somebody getting mistreated for 152 years, the Republicans got mistreated. Well, in, in fact, when I started covering the legislature when I moved to Memphis uh, in the late 70s, and I got up there and I said, what? Everybody's so down on Memphis. I said, they treat us like a third world nation. And somebody explained it to me. He said, because for 150 years, Shelby County ruled uh, Tennessee with an iron fist, and they gave Nashville and Knoxville and everything and uh, past the Tennessee River. They gave them nothing. They gave them nothing and plenty of it. That's absolutely right. But they have a set of rules, okay? Now, let me tell you, what these guys did wouldn't just jumped up and made a loud noise. They incited a riot, yep. okay? And, and, and everything they claimed happened on January the 6th in Washington, which I don't believe that, but I've seen this. And here's the deal. A lot of people ain't touching on, okay, is the crowd. The crowd was 90% kids, okay, high school kids, and, and and if I was on that state legislature right now, I'd find out which schools yeah, who, let their kids out. And how did they get would, there? Well, here's the deal. I would find out, and I would deduct the funding for those days that they were there out of their budget. Well, here's the okay? thing. Uh, you know yourself, you've been there. Nashville has no parking anywhere. In fact, if the legislators didn't have a parking pass in the parking lot, they couldn't find a place to come to the legislature. So all of a well, sudden, here are hundreds and hundreds of people who show up to protest. How did they get there? Were they did they come on county school buses, city school buses? Well, you know, there are a lot of schools in downtown Nashville. Okay, uh, I'm thinking probably come from there, but some of these others had to be bussed in, had to be brought in. Okay. And and and, and it, it, let me tell you, the the worst mistake that this state legislature did was not getting rid of all three of them. I agree. Okay? They should have got. But, hey, 
the one from Knoxville, I thought that was a dude. She looked more like a dude than the other two black dudes did. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they were all up front. They were all in fighting. You do have rules. And at what point do people have to put up with it? Let me tell you, one of the state legislators, they pushed them in a bathroom and wouldn't let them out. I'd heard that. Well, and, and Now, let's get back to the county commission. Okay. Right. The county commission, that is, the decorum is the main deal there. I mean, you can get mad, you can, well, but, you, you know, but when it comes to physical, that's where you draw the line. They're supposed to, they're supposed to keep them out. But from what I understand, there was only two, maybe three deputies. That's what I hear. And hundreds of people in there, in there, you know, and it well, don't take a big crowd to to really fill that place up. You know what I mean? But I also know that the sheriff's department is headquartered downtown, and they've got right. deputies in every courtroom in 201 Poplar and the criminal court and chancery <laughs> court. And uh, if there was a serious problem, they could have pulled instantly. They all have two-way radios on, and they could have instantly gotten right. 35, 40 deputies there in four minutes. Yeah. Well, let me let me throw something out at you here, Earl. Right. For all those folks out there listening, I love all y'all. And if anybody's asking themselves this question, what does Terry Rowland, what what's he have to do with it? Why is he talking about it? Well, let me explain to you. Unfortunately, Justin Pearson is the is the House representative. For the city of Millington, too. Which is where you live and work. That's right. I live and work in that district, and he does not does not represent me well. He does not represent my values, you know. Uh, so there's always, a man told me one time, it's a mighty thin pancake to not have two sides. <laughs> I like that. So, so I, I guarantee, and let's, let's put this thing in perspective. Okay, he was a nobody. Okay, about fifteen people ran for that office. He won that office with about twelve hundred votes. So he did not have a mandate. Okay, and let me tell you something else that's really funny, Earl. You know, I'm I got friends on both sides of the aisle, right? The whole time he was up there, and they were going through this and 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 expelling him, all the Democrats up there and back home here were calling me saying, hey, we want to get rid of him too. Who can you live with? <laughs> well, so, so you, you got, it, it's hypocritical, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I can't help it. I just got to tell the truth. That's exactly what it is. It's hypocrisy. Well, it is. And it's, uh, I understand the guy from Knoxville was arrested during the summer riots <laughs> And was jumping up and down on a metro Nashville Metro police car. He was arrested, but uh, wasn't charged. Then they put out a warrant for him. And then the warrant was recalled, and nothing ever happened. The guy from Memphis, uh, in fact, uh, Dylan, do we have that cut? This is the guy from Memphis. You'll hear him talking when he was running for president of his class at uh, Middle Tennessee State. And then what he sounds like now. And tell me if this doesn't sound like somebody's acting. I'm Justin J. Pearson. Yes, I tell you, it was a sad day on Saturday. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. 
But oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. There are many issues that we can work together to solve. And every one of us in order to make the state of Tennessee the place that it ought to be. And so I've still got hope because I know we... And let's chart ourselves to a better future. We are still here. Well, there you go. Two different versions of the same person. And uh, <laughs> which one do you believe, you know? Well, I, I believe he's the county fool. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I mean, at, at some point, they've got to realize that, hey, you know, you can get more with sugar than you can the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Well, so they, I think somebody up there that halfway works with somebody, they can accomplish things and get stuff done for their district. This guy ain't getting anywhere. Well, what he's doing is doing all this for national publicity. Watch all the money that comes in from around the country for the Tennessee three. And they'll run for Congress or Senate or something, won't win, but they'll keep all the money. That is my prediction. Yeah. So You're exactly right, brother. You called it from the beginning. Well, just keep an eye on that. We will, and so will Terry Rowland. Terry, thank you, sir. I appreciate your chiming in. All right. Tell everybody I love them in Memphis and Shelby <laughs> County. We'll do that. All right. All right buddy. Thank you, Terry. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're checking with uh, my good friend Jim Elliott in Connecticut. So stay with us. And welcome back on this uh, Thursday afternoon. It kind of overclass skies today, a few sprinkles, uh, but otherwise uh, not a bad day. Uh, and uh, headed into the weekend. So I'm ready for it. This is uh, Thursday, almost Friday. Uh, we're going to check in now with my good friend, Jim Elliott, who lives in Connecticut. He's, uh, from Memphis. I worked with him for many years at WREG, um, channel three, and we would drive around and pontificate <laughs> and we had many great discussions over the years about everything. And so I talked to him this morning and asked him, I said, so what's the deal with the Budweiser, um, deal up in Connecticut? Are people talking about that? Are they buying uh, Bud Light? And good afternoon, Jim, who's on the line. Hey, Earl. How are you doing? Good. And and I really wasn't surprised because I've heard that uh, they've lost like billions in sales uh, just since this thing took off and, and they came out with, and it wasn't even uh, them selling a can of it. They just put this person's picture on the can and um, more or less said, uh, this is our position and uh, we're woke and we want all of our, uh, our customers to be woke and Almost the, the backlash was almost immediate. Well, this person came on Sunday during March Madness and said that they had been chosen the face of March Madness. And it's this person who says that they transitioned into a character that's a very young adolescent girl. And they, Bud had sent them uh, several cases with their picture on it. Bud was never going to release this as a label and they do this with certain influences that are on TikTok or Instagram and it just caused a firestorm. I mean, because this person is not a, well, what it comes down to is there's two issues here. This person is not a girl. <laughs> They've had plastic surgery. It's a gay man. He says she's, he's transitioning into a female and he's done this, 365 days of girlhood and he's been invited to the White House and 
he's been he's interviewed President Biden. He's gotten a letter of congratulations from Kamala, and all of a sudden he's getting all these contracts. So all of a sudden Bud Light, which is not not a big sophisticated brand, all of a sudden they're getting all this information that this person is the representative of March Madness, and this person saying that. She doesn't know anything about March Madness and doesn't understand sports. <laughs> and it just caused an explosion among older people who are the audience of Bud Light saying, listen, we, we don't want this. We Listen, we just want to drink beer. We don't want to get into politics. I feel and like so it, it was like this out, outrage. And they started a thing on social media where they were going to boycott it. And it seems to be actually happening. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about it, and it's like they say that, uh, you know, there's been so many things that have been shoved down uh, middle America's throat now for years, and most of we're not protesters. not going to go out and stand in front of City Hall beating on a drum. You're not going to go out and burn down buildings and turn over police cars. But when something happens, and I think personally that the people that drink Bud Light, beer drinkers, they're very loyal to their brand, just like cars and NASCAR and TV shows and people, they, it's my show. They don't say, that's my favorite show. That's my show. And that's yeah. my beer. And when they do something, they, they take your brand and do something with it. And they didn't ask you, people feel like they've been betrayed. And I think that's part of it. And, and they can vote by just not buying something. So it's exactly. A, and and we're, we're all becoming more and more divided. And, and the, the, you know, when a marketing person makes a decision about a certain brand, and it doesn't fit the um, the, the belief system of the person. Yeah, their customer, their customer is not going to be their customer anymore. <laughs> it's really I mean, pre- it's one of the it's biggest, really. Pretty- you know, I'll tell you something. Regardless of what you think about Dylan McVaney, the the character, right? Regardless of what you think about this person, later in the week, the woman who has become the head of marketing for Anheuser Busch came out. And did a a statement, and it almost insulted the people that were drinking Bud Light, saying that they didn't really care about them anymore. I'm characterizing it, and saying that they were going for a new inclusive new audience of men and women, which you know anybody can see. You can read a dog whistle in anything, but the, <laughs> what the message is is we don't really care about you old guys anymore. We, we're going for a new bunch. Well, they've lost so many customers now that every new customer they reach out and get is going to be trying to replace what they've already lost. They turn their back on their own audience. It's a blunder. It's a brand blunder. Uh, But I also think that it's, that there are a lot of people pay attention to it. I know Nike offered this guy a contract to represent them for their sports bras and leggings. Yeah. He's dancing around in the backyard. He's going to do a video. The guy's making a million bucks. I mean, he's got like 25 endorsements. He's gotten an oil of Olay about his facial skin. He's gotten tan packs. The guy hasn't removed anything. He's a he's has male genitalia. I don't know what he's going to do with a tan pack, but they seem to think that that's the way to sell their products to women. It's by showing a person who I think is not not. A woman. He's not, well, he's not showing any of the uh, traits of masculinity. He's not showing any of the traits of femininity. 
Hey, Jim, we got to go. Thank you for your insight. I think a lot of people agree. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back in on this Thursday afternoon. We've got uh, some guests in the studio, one who comes here every week, Randy Ride with the Dive Shop, but uh, he's got two of his associates who are in town, Will and Nolan with Dive Ventures. Uh, both have been here before. What, you lived here before, Nolan? No. No. Uh, no, I've not lived here before. <clears throat> yeah, I did briefly. It was Will. Yep. Did they throw you out, or did you leave on your own? I didn't think you guys wanted me anymore, so <laughs> we just went ahead and moved yeah, on we'll, out. Believe me, we'll take anybody. <laughs> uh, Dive Ventures, uh, how long have you guys been with the company? Yeah, so I've been with Dive Ventures three years, but Nolan's been quite a while. I've been with Dive Ventures for, uh, since 2011. Uh, Randy and I have been doing stuff for, what, 10 years now, 10, 11 years? Oh, yeah, at least that long. So and Well, even longer than that, because yeah. back in TV, I would, would do things with you on it. Sure, yeah. I actually suited up one time in a wetsuit. I looked like a big sack of potatoes. <laughs> 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 said, Should we do this? He said, yeah, yeah. There, I've seen worse. Yeah. He was lying to me. But it is. Uh, I've learned a lot over the years, and so have all our listeners, uh, because he comes on once a week. We talk about where you go. The, the kinds of trips you take, the the world that opens up for people once they get into scuba. I was just talking to a guest here the other day was with the museum system here in Memphis, putting out a thing that's tonight. Uh, and he was talking about uh, he's going uh, scuba diving this weekend after the show. I said, where did you learn to scuba? He said, the dive shop. And I, he said, uh, you know, and they are. The, they're the best. They've been really the only dive scuba company here for many years. There were some other people who have come and gone, but. Uh, and it is, they now have uh, taught generations of people to scuba. And then when you guys merged last year, uh, or actually took place this year, right? It was in October of last year. Last year, yeah. yeah. And uh, it only added to all the services and the, the things that they offer to the local people because you guys have just that much bigger a reach that, and you have experience going all over the world, which only benefits everybody in the company. Absolutely. Yeah, we're just recently, uh, actually last time I was here in town, Randy had a grandfather who he had uh, certified bringing his granddaughter in who's getting yep. certified as well. So absolutely multi-generational sport and been a staple here in Memphis for a very long time. He was, uh, the guy was in on the show earlier this week was saying that uh, that it changed his whole world because you would travel before, go to Cancun or someplace, Monsalon, and you would go to the, all the beach stuff and you'd go out to dinner but he said, once I started scuba diving, it was like that became so much smaller a part of the trip that the real trip was under all underwater. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, that's one of those kind of things that is just that experience is what we do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we take people all over the world. I just got home from Bimini, took people for a trip where they got to do an experience of a lifetime, dive with hammerheads. Oh, wow. And one was 14 foot long. She was pregnant with. <laughs> 30 pups inside her. Wow. Very amazing thing. And people that shared their experience with me, they said, this was a bucket list trip for us. We really appreciate the opportunity to go. 
it, it happens immediately. The first time I ever went scuba diving was in the Bahamas, and they take me down, and they, and they said, wait here. And but I didn't have enough weight on, so I kept floating up. So the guy goes over, and gets, picks up a big rock, and swims over, and gives it to me. And uh, but from the minute I was under there, it was such a, a a great experience. I was actually laughing underwater. I mean, that's how big an impact. And I was, I guess, I'm in my, I was in my early 30s when I did that, and I'd never experienced. I mean, I've been a, on a swimmer. I've been on a swim team. I'd snorkeled, but nothing like breathing underwater. It's just a whole new experience. And then it opens up that whole world because you're not having to take a deep breath, go down, and come back up as quick as you can. And uh, is that the reaction you get, Nolan, with every person that comes down that they're that impressed? Most most absolutely they are. And the fact that you can stay down 45 minutes to a whole hour, that's the part that just they're just mind-blowing for them when we're on a trip. They're just like, wow. you know. And you mentioned it. You can only hold your breath so long. Yeah, yeah. You can only go so deep, and with scuba, it opens up a whole other world for us to be able to interact and engage with it in a way that you can't as a snorkeler. You guys have locations all over the country. Is is there a difference in people? I mean, you know, like in the South, we like uh, Southern food. We like spicy food. We, uh, in the North, they're a little more bland. But when it comes to scuba, does everybody, no matter where they are, what nationality they are, they all get it i believe so scuba's for everyone and uh and that's really what we talk about with all of our customers um now regionally there are definitely some different kinds of diving that people will do so for example our store up in battle creek michigan uh, is heavy into diving the great lakes it's cold water diving but it's very pristine and the cold water allows the the great preservation of wrecks underwater it doesn't have the same corrosive effect of salt water so you can go and see shipwrecks from 100 years ago that look just like they did on the day they sank and so the different types of diving people do can certainly uh, vary regionally, but what's uniform about it is that when people go underwater and they discover there's a whole other world they didn't worry about or, or, or don't even know about, um, it's it's a pretty universal wow factor. I think the other thing, too, is once you go under the surface of the water, uh, none of what happens above the water is a concern of yours anymore. That's I right. Mean, it, it's instantaneous. As soon as your head goes under... The silence is there. Uh, the sound of bubbles is all you hear when you exhale, and it's it really it's it's it and it's like flying. Uh, you're weightless, and uh, you you you're actually assisted in breathing because when you suck in just a little bit, it actually fills up your lungs. You don't have to like pull. And people think, yeah, well, I gotta breathe hard. No, just breathe. Don't stop breathing. No, <laughs> keep breathing. That's what Randy's always saying. Keep breathing. It's the most important part. You know. We get that all the time. I mean, people, what, what, you know, how long does this last and that kind of thing. So the, the process is made to be step-by-step, step, easy, easy, easy. And it's we call it comfort through repetition. We show you the same things, and we do them in the shallow part of the pool, and then we move you to the deeper part of the pool, and then eventually out into what we refer to as open water, which could be a lake, a quarry, or go into the ocean. And, and the, adventure, the adventure starts the very first time you go underwater in the pool. And it really does. And then when you go on a trip to someplace really exotic, and uh, and I think that just the travel part alone, because you're going with uh, a, a guide. I mean, you've got people that are with the dive ventures or the dive shop here, and they're going with you. They're taking you a place they've been before. It's not like you're trying to figure all this out for yourself, and I, I sure hope things go good. Um, 
so you're you're you've got a guide, and then when you get there, they're familiar with the people there. The people there are familiar with these folks. So it's not like uh, you really can forget about a lot of the pressure that normally would be on you going on any trip. You're you're unreachable, which is yeah. uh, is nice. Yeah, that's uh, very nice for working professionals as well. I mean, you get some respite from the day to day. Cell phones don't work down there, no. right? Nope. Use hand and arm signals for everything you do, and so it is. A, it's a meditative and very peaceful experience. And along the lines of what you were saying too, uh, you know, is it something that uh, everybody in all different regions of the world and different everything can do? Absolutely. The one the one thing I love about scuba is it's such a connector. Um, doesn't matter socioeconomic status. You know, you can have interactions with people that in everyday life would probably never interact. But on a dive boat, you can be you have a finance guy from Wall Street next to a doctor, next to a bricklayer, next to the guy that works at the McDonald's, and everybody's united by this passion behind diving and sharing a common experience. Um, you see something remarkable underwater, and every one of those people comes up with their eyes this big, just wow, right? And, and then the camaraderie that comes up from that because you've had a shared experience, mm-hmm. and only that group that day shared that experience. That's right. Every time you go down, it's going to be a different one. And so... That's where you build relationships that last forever. And, and people go, oh, yeah, we, we scuba with them in Mexico and the Bahamas and the Pacific. And you end up making friends. <clears throat> I think a lot of people find that first with, when they go skiing around the country, around the world, the snow skiing. But you can only do that so long. The great thing about scuba, you can do that for just about ever. I mean, Randy and I have talked about that. they got harnesses they can hook you up and lower you in the water. And once you're in there, you're weightless. And so it doesn't matter if you get a bad limp or not. You're still down there doing the same thing everybody else is doing down there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had the privilege of taking a group to the Maldives as we came out of COVID. And I had four people on the trip that were 72 to 75 years of age. And they were diving with no problem whatsoever, staying down a whole hour just like someone who's in their 20s. Yeah. So it, it is an equalizer, absolutely. Well, believe me, somebody said something the other day <clears throat> about this elderly gentleman. I said, well, how old was he? He said, 72. And I went, well, that's not elderly. That's <laughs> how old I am. What do you... <laughs> so your your opinion of elderly changes. And uh, But I've had two hip replacements, and so I'm not the same person I was when I was in my 20s, but uh, I don't ride horses anymore because I can get bucked off again. I, I will not get bucked off again. <laughs> But scuba, it's low impact. There's no impact, really. Absolutely. So you think about it, we talked about the generational piece as well. Uh, talked about a grandfather going scuba diving with his granddaughter. It's something that across generations and physical abilities can be enjoyed identically. And what other activities are there like that that no. a grandfather can really be on an equal plane with a granddaughter and experiencing and enjoying the same thing? So. And Randy, who was the guy you said took his whole family? I mean, we're talking a number of people, yeah, different generations. Well, we took three generations of one family, taught them to dive together. Wow. Okay, and it's a family. They own a business in, in West Memphis and several other places. They work on trailers. It's called Grace Trailers, the name of the company. And uh, they work on liquid hauling trailers, certifying those, refurbishing them, repairing them, those kinds of things. And just wonderful experience because I had granddad and grant. We had the patriarch, the matriarch, the two kids, and the grandkids, I mean, there was 11, I think, all together, uh, ranging in age from uh, mid-70s down to about 12. Wow. So well, was, did you say one of them just said, look, I'm just going to go down there and sit on the bottom. I that, just was, wanna, that was Grandpa. It's like I just want to be there. We're, we're in Cozumel, and it's like we're having to get him to move around. He's going, I don't want to move around. Y'all put me down in the sand and swim the grandkids around me. That's what I want <laughs> you to do. <laughs> 
I'm paying for all this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to be the parade, <laughs> and I'll be the viewers. That's exactly. Uh, we're talking with Randy Wright at the Dive Shop and a couple of his associates that are with Dive Ventures. Uh, they've got, uh, what, 17 stores around the country? 18. We Eight. just added Colorado Springs. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, we're going to talk some more about scuba and where they've got some trips planned. Maybe you'd like to get in on that. We'll talk more about it when we come back. Stay with us. And welcome back on a Thursday afternoon, heading into springtime, which is the time everybody starts thinking about travel and, and kicking off the, the season. And there's a big kickoff party going on at the dive shop this Saturday, as a matter of fact. A great way to kick off spring. And uh, tell us about it, Randy. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to boil some crawfish. We've got a lot of really nice giveaways. We're going to have some hamburgers and dogs for the kids, nice drinks and that kind of thing. But we're giving away a trip to the Bahamas. Oh, wow. A week-long live aboard. Uh, We've got a dive computer uh, that one of our vendors has sent us in here to give away. And then we've got a host of other things uh, that we'll be doing and just hanging out, telling people about travel opportunities and having a good time like we do at the dive shop. But this is really is a good time to go because you'll meet other people that are your customers that have been on dive trips. You got Nolan and Will in here from Dive Ventures, and they'll be talking about uh, all the things that they're offering and the trips coming up. Uh, plus, Chuck Baker, my good friend, uh, won a dive suit down a uh, wetsuit Absolutely. last year. Yeah, he came to last year and won the wetsuit. We do have another wetsuit this year, as a matter of fact. And uh, Chuck is a big guy. He's about six five. Weighs about uh, he's lost some weight. He's probably down to about two sixty now. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but I said they had one big enough for you. He said, "Well, they they bordered it. <laughs> they having to kill off more we, rubber tree plants. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we can fit you. Just come on down." But it really is, and then the dive shop does this all. Do you guys do it all with dive venture at all your stores? Do you do uh, parties? Because the dive shop has always been very involved with. Every holiday, they have a pumpkin uh, turkey shoot down inside their pool. They do stuff at Christmas. They do stuff in the spring. Absolutely. Divers love to dive, and we're always looking for an excuse to dive. So whether it's underwater poker or underwater pumpkin carving, <laughs> we, we try to have uh, an event that we can make it fun for everyone. And then, really, diving is all about a community, a community built of like-minded people that share a passion. So in order to build that community, we got we got to have parties. We got to have events. So yeah, every location uh, in our network is going to have some kind of a summer kickoff party this year. Yep. Yeah, we we belong to the coolest club in the whole world. <laughs> it and, really is, and it really is. And uh, you know, we talked about that just a little while ago. That you know, we can travel anywhere in the world, and we have a like experience. And whether we're on above the water, in the water, or below the water, we like to get together and and enjoy our sport. So. Well, as I've told Randy before, I said, if you're going someplace and people say, where are you headed? I say, oh, we're headed down to Mexico. We're going to go uh, lay on the beach at Cabo and uh, eat some Mexican food. They go, oh. If you go, we're going scuba diving off the coast of Mexico. I go, oh, really? <laughs> I mean, it's a totally different, um, the instant you say that, people go, where are you going? How, does, how did you get involved? I mean, it opens up a whole new uh, curiosity with people that you don't get with anything else. Oh, most certainly. I mean, I see that all the time. I've heard it for years and years. And people want to carry my bags for me on trips that are non-divers just <laughs> so they cool. can come and hang out and see what it's all about. Yeah. So, you know, and of course, we then encourage them to, you know, become a diver. But, yeah, it is a it's definitely a a starter, you know. Well, I think that uh, 
just seeing a dive, the dive flag on people's back window or something, you go, okay, well, they're part of the club. And, and everybody that knows what a dive flag looks like, they know what that is. And it's, uh, and they're always cool people. And I think that that's the other thing is that uh, it's a certain type of personality we're talking about during the break. These are, these are people that want adventure, but they don't want to climb mountains and possibly fall off. There's no falling off a mountain in scuba. Yeah. It's, it, they, it's kind of like skydiving without the hard bottom, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the part I like. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no abrupt stops. Yeah, no sudden stops <laughs> in scuba. And uh, so, the, what time does your party start? We're going to start Sunday? at one o'clock. Uh, we'll have the crawfish off probably about one thirty, two o'clock. Of course, we've got burgers, we've got dogs. Lots again, we've got plenty of food and drinks. Come on out. Doesn't cost anything. You have the opportunity to win uh, a dive computer, a wetsuit, a trip to the Bahamas. Uh, and we also have a whole bunch of swag that the various vendors have sent us. So everybody's going to go home with a prize of some kind. Well, do go by there because uh, the weather's supposed to be good, and uh, it'll be a good day for it, and you can meet Nolan and Will. Everybody already knows Randy. So. Yeah. And you know Randy's a good cook, so you know the crawfish <laughs> will be good. Well, thank you guys for coming in, and uh, and come back and see us next time you're in. Any other trips you're complaining? we got about another minute here uh, that you got coming up that people – that are certified now, of course, Randy can help them out uh, if they need to be certified before, but because it was six weeks to get certified? Uh, four to six, depending on what you do about your open water dive. So that that process it varies depending on what you need. We have the facilities to do it as fast or as slow as you want to do it. Uh, and you can join us in Curacao to do your open waters in July. Uh, so we've got lots of different trips. I think, what's it up to? Yeah, we've got over 100 trips, group trips we'll be doing this year. Wow. Um, and DiveVentures.com is where you can find all the information about those, and it's all around the world, so not just the Caribbean, but uh, that's one of the great things about our network of 18 shops is all the shops have trips, and everybody's welcome. So absolutely. So there's your summer. Absolutely. No more complaining. Start planning. All Come right. by and see us on Saturday at 999 South Yates, the dive shop. All right, we're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And welcome back on this Thursday afternoon. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, uh, yesterday it was on Fox. Uh, I think it was Tucker Carlson. And on the guy that uh, was an ex-Obama uh, uh, official, he was uh, actually a stenographer who who transcribed, shot video and audio of everything they did uh, when they Biden or the vice president went someplace. He was on a trip with uh, then-Vice President Biden to Ukraine. And if you'll recall, that's when uh, the vice president sat there and said, I got a, a billion bucks we're going to give Ukraine, and, but not until they fire the uh, the uh, investigator, <clears throat> excuse me, in the uh, in the uh, case with uh, my son, uh, Hunter. But he didn't mention the fact that his son was being investigated. But we all know now that's what it was. And so then he goes, uh, well, SOB, uh, they fired him before I had to leave town because I said, I'm taking the money with me. Well, he said basically what that was was a, a criminal act, and that what he did was um, was used a uh, billion dollars in U.S. taxpayers' money to uh, 
coerced the Ukraine uh, officials into firing this prosecutor who was investigating his son, Hunter, who had literally no experience whatsoever in the oil and gas industry. What he had was a father who was vice president and uh, was getting people to pay for access uh, to his contacts and information. And uh, they said that the, the FBI ignored Hunter Biden's business dealings. And this guy, he's got shot video, was there for all of us, an eyewitness, and he, he's uh, come forward now. And, and that's, I wonder if that's one reason they took Hunter out of the country to Ireland. It'll be interesting if you can get him back because he flew on uh, Air Force One with his dad. And uh, they, you saw him the first day they were there in the crowds and everything. Today they've showed uh, a number of things uh, where the vice president was uh, giving speeches and whatnot. Um, and then uh, I haven't seen Hunter today. I'm just wondering if Hunter disappears in, in Ireland. Because I think they the, that is their heritage, is they're Irish. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then this guy, this, this San Francisco cops arrest a tech executive over uh, cash app founder killing uh, earlier in the week. Said this guy knew the guy that, that uh, was killed. Said uh, uh, Mission Local is informed that the San Francisco Police Department early this morning made an arrest on the April 4th killing of tech executive Bob Lee following an operation undertaken outside the city's borders. The alleged killer also works in tech and is a, a man Lee purportedly knew. They were told to the police that they were dispatched to Emeryville with a warrant to arrest a man named Nima Mamini. The name uh, in Emeryville, an address at San Francisco PD officers traveled to correspond with this man, the owner of a company called Expand IT. Multiple police sources have described the pre-dawn knifing last week, which left the 43-year-old Lee dead in a deserted section of downtown San Francisco. They make it sound like it was a warehouse district. It was actually it's just 2.30 in the morning, and um, you go to my neighborhood in Collierville, it's deserted at 2.30 in the morning. But this was a very nice upscale condominium uh, neighborhood. And he went up to a, a couple of these condominium front doors and tried to buzz somebody to just help him. Because uh, he had been stabbed in the chest with a, they think uh, was a kitchen knife, and uh, but you got to want to make it two thirty in the morning. Uh, he's giving him a ride. This other guy's giving him a ride home. What could have possibly happened? Um, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, just a sad situation. I mean, he, he, both of them have pretty much you know, one life is over, and the other one's going to be. Uh, said that Lee and Monami were portrayed as by police as being familiar with one another. In the wee hours of April 4th, they were purportedly driving together through downtown San Francisco in a car registered to the suspect. Some manner of confrontation allegedly commenced while both men were in the vehicle and potentially continued after Lee exited the car. Police allege that Momini stabbed Lee multiple times with a knife that was recovered not far from the spot of the 300 block of Main Street, which officers initially responded. It just, I mean, it's just senseless. And, you know, I don't know what it was about, but uh, we used to say this all the time when we were covering news when I was in television news. Was there alcohol involved? <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, usually, yes. 
that would be the answer to that. Um, and then this now breaking, uh, Portland taxi driver slain by trans extremist. So that's just breaking. I don't have any other information on that, but, uh, uh, I don't know what the deal is. Well, these trans, uh, that are killing people, but, uh, uh, and then, you know, we still have not gotten the manifesto from the trans person that uh, killed the six Christians, uh, three of them nine years old in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I checked with a number of people I know in law enforcement, and that should have been uh, uh, investigated by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation because they investigate all police uh, connected uh, slayings of any kind of police officers involved, they investigated. And this one, uh, the Metro Police, Nashville Metro Police said, no, we're going to be uh, investigating this one. Uh, and uh, the, uh, they're calling this, uh, the suspect allegedly went inside the vehicle and wearing a tiara and then later plunging a blade into the neck uh, of the driver. Uh, something's going on here that the media, they don't want to confront because if you really confront it, it collapses there uh, and think they're going to, I'm reading uh, uh, closed captioning, so it's going by really fast. But uh, I, yeah, just like the, the manifesto for the one in Nashville, they're not releasing that. So what is in there that's not going to fit the scenario that um, that the media and, and uh, the ultra-liberals are all trying to get across? Evidently, it doesn't fit. At least that's been the experience I've seen for things when you can't get information about something because it doesn't fit. If they bring it out immediately, like it involved a, an assault rifle, if it involves a knife, not that big a deal. Assault rifle? Oh, yeah. There you go. And uh, so we'll keep our eye on that one, uh, the Joe Biden thing. We'll keep an eye on that one. And uh, then you've got the situation with the uh, legislatures, legislators who are back on the job now. And I, we were talking about it earlier. If you just hide and watch, they're gonna they're already getting national attention. I mean the vice president, the vice president or the president did not go to Nashville to see the the families of the six Christians that were murdered by the transgender person, but uh, the vice president did come to Nashville to support the and I think she even came to Memphis, didn't she? Uh, to support the uh, Nashville three. The Nashville three are getting a lot more media attention than the Nashville Six who were murdered by a transgender person. In fact, that story has pretty much gone away. Um, you haven't heard anything about it in the last week because of the Nashville Three. Is That's the big story that the national media wants to talk about. Uh, and then I saw something today that the, um, the uh, hospital where the president always goes to and uh, in, right outside of uh, Washington, Bethesda, uh, they had a contract with <clears throat> a Catholic church uh, that they would come do holiday uh, uh, prayers and services for people in Bethesda uh, in the hospital there, military people, and that they uh, fired them all. They said, we're changing um, changing uh, who's going to come in and handle this from now on. But it does seem like Christianity is under attack uh, from a number of different corners. 
and especially from the transgender crowd. And then this uh, person that's evidently been stabbed by a transgender person, um, uh, and I'm, it, I did not say where that was. It's a, it's just a breaking story. But it's apparently uh, this is what's going on. I mean, they're uh, you're, you're having more and more of these things take place. Remember, they were supposed to have that weekend of revenge in D.C., uh, and then that got called off. And then the very next week is when the uh, uh, transgender murder that took place there in Nashville. So uh, a lot going on. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we'll be back to wrap things up. And welcome back on a uh, lovely Thursday afternoon. The sun has actually come out a little bit. You've got uh, a little sunshine out on the trees outside, which is always uh, cheerful. Uh, this is not a cheerful story. The Kansas City Star is reporting that uh, Kansas City uh, cops chased an elderly man for driving three miles over the speed limit, and they tased him, uh, this lawsuit says. An 80-year-old man filed a lawsuit this week against an eastern Kansas sheriff's office for allegedly tasing him without warning after the officer pursued him for driving three miles over the speed limit. Get him! Get him! I mean, in this federal lawsuit, John Sig said a lieutenant with the Lola Police Department in Allen County on April 16, 2021, clocked him driving 38 miles in an area where the speed limit was 35 and decided to give chase. Now, he's only chasing him at 38 miles an hour. <laughs> said multiple police vehicles ended up following Sig for a few minutes as he drove to his family's car lot. And then the guy could have been deaf. And he didn't, maybe they were, or they didn't have their sirens on. They just had their lights on. Uh, but he didn't realize they were following. And it says the subject of the pursuit, as attorney wrote, he parked to get out and was surrounded by officers from several agencies at his family's car lot. So apparently they have a new car lot, used car lot, something like that. Two Chanute police officers pulled their guns on Sig. And remember, this is an 80-year-old man. According to the lawsuit, looking quizzically at them, he raised his hands, which can be seen in a screenshot of body camera footage in the incident. And you hear the audio saying, get the F on the ground, a now former deputy with the Allen County Sheriff's Office yelled, according to the lawsuit filed in the U.S. District Court in Kansas. Without warning, the deputy used a taser on SIG, even though the manufacturer of the taser X2 warns about using it on the elderly. His lawyer wrote, SIG dropped like a rock. He, attorney said he cut his head when he hit the ground. SIG mumbled he was hard to understand, um, and it was hard to understand, his attorney said, uh, Randall Rathman, who wrote in the lawsuit, as officers talked with him on the scene, he indicated he did not know what was going on and didn't feel right. He'd been tased and whacked his head on the ground. He's lucky the cop didn't kill him. Rathman, who served as the U.S. attorney for the District of Kansas from 93-96, told the star that SIG required a trip to the emergency room just to remove the taser probes, which when you get hit with a taser that's uh, connected to the gun. These actually these little, these little like fish hooks go in you and, uh, and they're, they're painful to get out. And then as long as they keep hitting the juice, they light you up. They said he just dropped like a rock. 
to this day, he can't believe they did it, he said. Other cops at the scene knew the deputy used excessive force and were concerned by his conduct, the lawsuit alleges. The petition asks, seeks a judgment of 250000 in actual damages, 250 in punitive damages. Sheriff's office did not return a message seeking comment on Tuesday. It's, it's under investigation and in the process of being settled, I'm sure. So they're not going to... Uh, say anything about it um and this story is kind of interesting seeing as we live next to a very large river a seven-foot alligator ends up in uh, an american river and no one knows how he got there a seven-foot alligator reportedly found in the american river has california officials puzzled california a fisherman told a friend they spotted the alligator on some rocks in the river near sailor bar in fair oaks a suburb of sacramento the friend captured the gator, securing its mouth with duct tape, and turned it over to Wildlife Care Association. Uh, with the association cares for lost or injured wildlife, it's not, it's not equipped to deal with a gator. Well, gator? We got a gator cage? No, we got no gator cage. We got a little French poodle cage in there. And so the agency took the alligator to Bay Area facility better equipped to handle the large reptile, but it the reptile died hours later, department spokesman said. It was in extremely poor health, he said. The AG has opened up an investigation to try to find out where the alligator came from, but officials suspect someone has been keeping it illegally as a pet, which happens a lot. No, but And I saw another uh, shot where somebody had an alligator in their swimming pool. That was probably Florida. You got alligators. All, I had some see some friends that lived in Tampa that we used to were next door neighbors to here in Memphis, and uh, I'm sitting out there on their deck. And everybody in Florida, they have these screened-in pools and screened-in uh, like uh, sunrooms because you want to sit outside at night. But the mosquitoes in Florida are just brutal, brutal. I think we're bad here. The, the, when's the last time you saw a, a huge? Uh, mosquito net over a swimming pool in Memphis, but they're all over the place in Tampa. And you sit out there and you hear this, this loud. And that I said, what is that clapping? He said, those are the jaws of alligators. <laughs> what? I mean, they're out there in the dark, like feet from your house. And I mean, I grew up around rattlesnakes, and buzzards, and copperheads. But there's something just really freaky about a prehistoric-looking alligator. I mean, I know we, we were playing uh, golf uh, when we went to Disney World and playing golf at one of the Disney resorts, and I look over there, and there's a huge alligator lying next to the green. And uh, I said, I'm taking a par on this one. <laughs> I'm not hitting anywhere near because those things can pick up and move on out. Uh, and uh, they, can, they, can, they, can, they can kill you. In fact, they, were, they showed a woman not two weeks ago that was in Florida out walking her little dog near this little lake, and this alligator sunning himself. Why she continued to walk up next to him, he hit the dog. I think it went after the dog first. The dog jumped out of the way and said he grabbed the lady's leg, and uh, that was not a happy outcome either. Uh, and you see it all the time with uh, people that go up to the great northwest, Wyoming, Montana, that think they could go pet the pretty moose or go up and, and, and you know, get a picture next to the to the buffalo or the grizzly bear. That's the one that's really crazy. Look, a grizzly bear. <laughs> Let's get a picture. 
Do not do that, ladies and gentlemen. This is not Disney World. This is real life. And animals like that kill and eat things that look a lot like us. So keep that in mind as you travel about. That's our show for today. Have a great evening. It's going to be a nice one. And uh, be safe out there.